Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of the We Are Podcast on DK Sports Radio. This is your host, Jared Prugar, and we've got a, the transfer portal to delve into today. And I'm going to dive headfirst into it. We had a, a rash of transfers at Penn State um, out of the program this week. Typically, they're transferring in. But of note, the two that, that stand out the most were Will Levis and Lance Dixon. Now, Levis, you know, is a cult hero at Penn State where he was the backup quarterback to Sean Clifford uh, for the last two seasons, um, getting quite a bit of playing time, including a start this season. Um, but he was a run-first quarterback, which in the grand scheme of things and in, in, with offenses around the country – isn't necessarily a bad thing. However, it, it never seemed like Penn, Penn State or James Franklin really trusted him uh, to use his arms, uh, to use his arms down the field. Now, don't get me wrong, Levis has a strong arm. He demonstrated it quite a bit uh, while in the blue and white, but he never really got that opportunity uh, to take it to the next level with Clifford being in front of him, despite Clifford's benching in the middle of the season only for Levis to give it up in the same game. Now, with that said, um, you know, you look at Mike Giersich's offensive philosophy, and Levis seemed to be the the square peg in the round hole there. He wasn't going to be featured as a runner. Um, The Falcon package at times uh, where he was the the quarterback um, and and then a runner – um, more often than not, seemed like with Kirk Shiraka gone, it would be out the door. Um, and no disrespect to to that to the Falcon package, but much like the Lion package under Tommy Stevens, it just did not. It did not work well at times, and at times it was great in short yardage. Um, you look at third and twos, fourth and ones, and it was about as productive as any as anything you're going to find, being that it's. A play designed out of shotgun, um, and you've got a bulldozer for a quarterback as the as the guy running the football. So you've got that. Um, and Levis was never going to, like I said, he's not going to to pass up Clifford. Clifford, you know, despite the struggles early this season, um, and maybe more so than anything, it was a it was a lack of trust in in development under Shiraka. You just never know what what was really the the cause of the issues. Um, early and and with the lack of a lo- offensive line that was successful, with the lack of a running game, with unproven receivers, it, it's always possible that you know there's just a lot of pressure on on Clifford as the starting quarterback, and ultimately he did turn it around. And with that being the case, then Levis is the odd man out. Now Levis isn't the only. Penn State quarterback to transfer out of the system this um, this offseason is Micah Bowen's transfers, and he will be heading to Oklahoma. Now, back to Lance Dixon. Dixon was a former five-star recruit, um, very, very highly touted um, linebacker out of Michigan, but the issue with him is that he is behind quite a bit of guys in front of him at the linebacker position, and when that's the case, you know, you come to Penn State is this heralded guy, is this as this guy that that can make an impact right away. He played as a freshman, played all nine games this year, including a start for the Nittany Lions defense. But he just really didn't seem to be the guy that was going to get the starting reps. 
uh, long term. Now, I think it's important to note his high school football coach is now the wide receivers coach at Michigan. There's a little home um, hometown deal there with him being from the state of Michigan, being from the Mitten, and you know it, it's very possible that you know he just did not like being at at, at Penn State. Um, so he might be looking to get home. He might in in who knows where where he will end up. I don't think that this is a really a, an, an indicator that Penn State has a culture problem. Uh, these are two guys that were role players essentially, uh, and that are going on to find uh, hopefully better opportunities uh, for their careers. Now, with the free agency in college football, essentially, it um, Levis gets three years of eligibility as a redshirt sophomore. Um, he will be a redshirt sophomore again next year. So he'll be able to play for three years wherever he goes, which is crazy. Um, and I don't necessarily think that this is a great model um, to follow for the uh, for the NCAA moving forward. But it's not like they've ever had the, uh, the student-athletes' best interests at hand when the almighty dollar is involved. So... Now, with Penn, St- with that being the case with Levis, the Penn State linebackers will be okay uh, with or with without Dixon, but the Penn State quarterbacks now are down to three scholarship quarterbacks um, in the program. You've got Christian Vilu, um, who is a who is a freshman. He just uh, was an, an early enrollee. You've got Taquan Roberson, uh, who is now the the backup to Sean Clifford. So. I would imagine James Franklin and company are going to go out into the transfer portal and get a quarterback, uh, a, a name, and I never thought that I'd ever say this, but a name to kind of keep keep an eye out would be Tate Martell. He worked with your Sitch at Ohio State. Um, he's bounced around quite a bit. I don't know that Martell could come in and, and start right away, but I think that's a name to maybe put in the back of your mind far down the road. Now, do I think that maybe his values are, are of some sort are, are going to line up with the Nittany Lions? It's possible that they do, but it's possible that they don't. And if any of you have watched QB1 series on Netflix, you would understand why I would say that because he came off as, as kind of a smug, um, a smug jerk and his college career has kind of played out that way as well. But it's 2021. Anything is possible. Um, but I do expect James Franklin and company to go out and get a quarterback. They need one. Uh, it's typically not good when you have three scholarship guys uh, in the system uh, with the guys behind them being uh, walk-ons. But like I said, anything is possible. Um, Dixon, I think, will be will land on his feet somewhere. Uh, could he end up in Michigan? Yeah, I think uh, that would be the front runner right now. But it's very possible that he ends up somewhere else, somewhere away from the Big Ten. Um but like I said, I, I think these are just two isolated incidents. I don't see this as being a trend moving forward. Just two guys that that wanted to explore better opportunities um, moving forward. So obviously best of luck to them. But until then, now the offseason continues and, and spring ball is just about to begin. Penn State students have returned to campus 
and right around the corner is spring uh, spring practices, which Penn State Athletic Director Sandy Barber confirmed would happen um, this semester. Uh, all the other Penn State programs, for the most part, are, are competing or practicing, which makes it so that Penn State would would it be able to keep continuing their their football practices, their trainings, their their different types of sessions. So I think that is good moving forward. Um, now that the Penn State students are back on campus, the Penn State athletes as well, um, and it's only a matter of time until spring practices um, start. Now the way that James Franklin described that, everything should be business as usual uh, within the ramifications of, of what the guidelines are based on Center County and Penn State as a university. So they have a plan in place that will put them right up to training camp should, should nothing change. Now, Sandy Barber was was very noncommittal about Beaver Stadium. And with current regulations, Beaver Stadium would only be able to host about 2,500 people, which when you think of it, you think of that in a um, – you think of putting 2,500 people in Beaver Stadium, which holds 110,000 people. And, and yeah, obviously you can do that rather easily. You can, you can fit them. But they would, it would just be a bizarre atmosphere. And, and it wouldn't be anything more than just families and friends of, of the staff and the players, which I think is, is very beneficial as well, getting to see your family uh, before games, after games, and, and those sorts of things. But it, would, it wouldn't be any benefit to, to hold anything if you can't have more than what they're able to anyway. Um, and I think that's huge. You, you should be able to, to showcase your, your talent, your team, your program, um, in the spring, as long as you do it safely, um, in a healthy manner. Now, Barber talked a lot this week, um, about some different things, not always regarding, um, football, but she did give a essentially a state of the uh, the athletic department um, press conference earlier this week. Now Penn State has thirty one sports programs, including football, basketball, and wrestling. But a lot of Power Five schools are 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 dropping sports because of costs um, and just inefficient insufficient funds uh, to keep those running based on what happened with the coronavirus and those sorts of things. But but Barber is committed to keeping uh, 31 programs at, at at Penn State, which a lot of their programs do compete for national titles, whether it's fencing, whether it's rowing, whether it's, um, you know, hockey. Hockey has become incredibly popular um, in Happy Valley. Now the, bas- the boys' basketball team, maybe not so much, but, but as those sports grow um, and continue to compete, compete on a national level, there's no reason uh, for them to cease. Now, a lot of those teams are hardly ever operate at a, um, out at a profit. There are only a a select few teams, including, um, wrestling, which I think, uh, the last, last figures that I've seen, they, they only made about a hundred thousand dollars, uh, per year. Now football, football is the front porch of the university. They, they make their money and their revenue from their parking, from their game days, uh, from their gate revenue. And that that wasn't the case this year, so they did expect a shortfall, um, but but now based on uh, some different things, 
The, the Nittany Lions uh, athletic department should only be down around 20 to $25 million, which is a considerable amount of difference from when Barber taught um, earlier in the season, and they were between 60 and $90 million uh, because of the pandemic. So that is good. Getting that um, taken care of, I think, is huge, in, and especially when you're trying to keep sports and not cut things. Um, now... The plan for 2021 is to have fans. Um, now, everything can be scaled down and, and this, that, and the other thing, but it, it all depends on the, the local restrictions, both in the state and in Center County, um, and the, and it's going to be a result of the fi- uh, the financial ramifications. You know, you, when you can't fill up 110,000 seat, 110, seats, that's quite a bit of money to to say goodbye to. And when that happens, you know, you're, you're put in positions where you're not, you're not comfortable. And I think that's where Penn State might be, um, depending on how many fans they can have uh, starting the season in, in August and September. So, you know, when that's going to happen, or when that happens, I think um, it'll be very interesting to see how Penn State navigates that and how the Big Ten navigates it as well if they were to set certain ramifications, certain qualifications for each stadium to host uh, host fans and and hold things like that because it, it could create an unfair advantage if, if, say, you know, we go to a Penn State game against Ohio State and next year it's, it would be in Columbus and it's a horseshoe that they can hold 50%, but at Penn State they can only hold 25% or, or even less than that. You know, in in every every state's different based on, um, based on certain certain requirements. You you look at New Jersey and New York, and in New Jersey, you're not allowed to have more than ten meet with more than ten people. So when you're having film, you're 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 splitting up ballrooms and hotels, to and barricading them so that you can you can have enough people and you can get whatever you need to get done, uh, taken care of. So it's not just isolated to what's going on at Penn State and Center County and, and Pennsylvania, but also in the other states um, throughout and other programs throughout the Big Ten. Now, on that, the the Nittany Lions only had one COVID, one positive COVID test the entire season, and it was outside of football, which I think speaks volumes to the job that James Franklin and his staff did getting his players ready and prepared for the season, but also keeping them safe and healthy throughout the season as well. And when that happens, you know, you once they adjusted themselves appropriately and, and got back to, to playing Penn State football, uh, it spoke volumes of what James Franklin and his staff uh, were able to do despite the terrible start and despite going through everything that the Nittany Lions have gone through this year. But, you know, you look at it and, and now we, we're in, firmly into 2021 and spring practices is Spring practices are are very close. They're ready. They're almost ready to begin, uh, even though that there's snow coming and snow falling this weekend. And and someday, hopefully, we'll be back in Beaver Stadium watching the blue white game as the as the end to to spring football practice. Something that we didn't get last year. But until then, this has been Jared Pruger on the We Are podcast on DK Sports Radio. I thank you for listening, and I I hope you all stay safe and healthy as we embark on the month of February.